Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish and this is our first podcast in about a month so we're going to get caught up on what's been going on in uh, hockey cards, a little bit of what's been going on with hockey, although most of it is COVID, COVID, COVID. And uh, we'll, you know, also give you a little update about uh, just what's been going on in general. So, um, Tim, man, how you doing? Uh, Just um, gradually on the road to recovery. So you've been a little sick, I understand. Actually, and that's one of the reasons why we haven't done a podcast was because Tim was a little under the weather the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I got sick the week of Christmas, and it's been, it was bad. I don't think it was COVID. I actually think it was something worse. Really? Yeah. What could be worse? Well, everybody I know that I've come in contact with over the last two months that has COVID or has gotten COVID, it's been like a two, three-day thing, and then they've been fine after that. Mm-hmm. Mine lasted the better part of I had a fever for like six days And then I'm still not 100% So I mean, you're talking weeks But Now you got I'm sick around there. Christmas, right? Uh, yeah, like Christmas Eve So a friend of mine got sick Christmas Day He had to work uh, He works a, a job and he works overnight So you and my friend got sick around the same time, maybe about a day apart. And I will say that he did recover a lot quicker than you. He, like a day and a half of bed rest, and then after that, he just felt worn down, and he still had to wait to, you know, like, not have enough symptoms or whatever where he could go back to work. But, yeah, I was I was actually kind of wondering about that because you were, you were down for a long time, my friend. Um, and yeah. This reminds me of 2019, end of 2019, early 2020. You were also sick then too, and we kind of del- we. Uh, I know Jim Howard filled in for you for a bunch of episodes back then, so it seems like a little bit of history repeating itself. I was going to say the end of 19 into 20 was when we bought our house, so I was out for a while dealing with that. Mm-hmm. But, but then you uh, got sick after that. Oh yeah, I always get sick, and like right around Christmas time, beginning of winter, it's just one of them things. Yeah. But it, this one, I don't know. Uh, it was all I know. It was bad. The fever was the worst part. I mean, six days of having a fever that was was killing me. Wow. But that went away eventually, and I uh, tried to go back to work the following week. Not. Not the week of Christmas or the week of New Year, but the, like the following week after that. And mm-hmm. that was an adventure to say the least, but that's okay. So, yeah. So, uh, we're, on the, we're on the mend. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So, one thing I was going to say uh, is that um, had we done a podcast a week ago or two weeks ago or three weeks ago, it would have probably sounded something like this. Uh, The NHL is canceling games because of COVID. The NHL is postponing games because of COVID. Uh, These players are not going to play tonight because of COVID. The World Junior Championships is canceled because of COVID. I mean, it's like everything, blah, 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 because of COVID. You know what I mean? That's just, it's like 
that's what pretty much all our podcasts would have sounded like the past couple of weeks, because I will say this is getting a little ridiculous with this variant. And, and uh, I mean, I had I, I, I've been playing fantasy hockey this year and I had like seven guys on my roster that were out with COVID-19. It's just it's I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of that or make light of that, but I'm just saying it's not just like one here, one there. It's like rampant. And the NHL's even modified its its uh, protocol, its uh, rules, you know, it's for social distancing, for, uh, you know, how far players sit apart from one another when they are eating in a restaurant on the road, how they're not eating in public restaurants unless they have like a separate room for them um, and other things like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of ramped that up again. But, yeah, this has been kind of a kind of a buzzkill for hockey. Yeah, and it's, you know, to to use an overused phrase, it's a fluid situation that just keeps changing. I mean, every morning, it's this these three guys were added to COVID list, and these four guys were taken off, or this game's been canceled. And still to this day, I mean, there were f- supposed to be – what, there were supposed to be five games tonight? There's only three? Yes. Um, and then the rest of the week, it's kind of kind of the same thing. So for fantasy players, you got to jump out there and try to find the guys that haven't had the games canceled to fill in your lineups. But I know Canada is still on lockdown or back on lockdown, and most of their venues can't have fans in the stands, and they've been canceling games left and right there, so... As of last night, I counted 101 games have been postponed. That's counting the two games that are um, postponed that were supposed to be played tonight. So now we've eclipsed over 100 games. And then a stat that I saw last week was that about 15% of the players were on COVID protocol. So, I mean, that's... It'll be interesting to see if we can finish the season correctly. I mean, they've already got the added cushion of the week. Um, for you know, not going to the Olympics uh-huh. built into the schedule, and they've got the All Star break built into the schedule, so you've got all of this extra time. But you know, the restrictions that are on the players during those times where they're not going to be playing, I mean, they've already said, you know, don't go anywhere, don't leave. I mean, not not necessarily bubble yourself, but. You know what I'm saying? They can't really do much of anything. And so you're stuck with this question of if they have to make up all these games in order to get through an entire season and make sure that every team has a fair opportunity to cover the number of games, at least on the same playing field, we're going to be playing hockey probably in July again. Yes, and uh, I believe the Olympic break is 16 days, so that does give them a good, uh, or at least the Olympics were 16 days. There's probably, they probably needed a few days, a couple days after that or whatever, but um, that does give them, you know, two weeks plus to make up games. Of course, a lot of the stadiums have booked things during those two weeks. They're like, well, hey, our NHL team isn't going to be playing here for you know, this, the span, let's have some concerts here. Let's have some other things here. Right. You know, if, if, you know, there's not going to be hockey on a Tuesday night and a Saturday night, 
Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they are going to have to extend the season if they're going to try to get every team to 82 games. Uh, I mean, they've also reinstated the taxi squad at least until the all-star break, which I think was a good idea. And honestly, I'm surprised that they didn't do that from the beginning of the season. Like what they did last season, I know they didn't want to do like just just play within the division. And I get that. But like, I'm surprised they didn't do these other measures. Like, you know what? Let's stay isolated when we're on the road. Let's um, not, uh, or, you know, let's not disband the, the taxi squad. Let's continue that because, I mean, you look at teams. Now, I understand teams and they've had enough players test positive. They've just postponed all those teams' games. It's just, okay, you know what? You have nine guys who tested positive. You're going to sit out for, your whole team's going to sit out for a couple of games. But, I mean, when you have, like, a team have, like, five or six guys missing and they can't get guys up from the minors fast enough, I mean, that's the whole idea of the, the taxi squad. And, I mean, like, right around Christmas time, we had teams playing with, you know, a, a couple less skaters than they normally would. So I'm surprised that the NHL just decided back in the fall, you know, what, we're just going to go back to the way things were, you know, and, and not like take those extra precautions that they did back in, in January of last year. Yeah. Well, we'll, I mean, we'll see, you know, if, if it starts getting better, then maybe they'll be able to squeeze some extra games. in. I know they don't want to do like multiple nights in a row. They've already said about that, but they may have to, especially when it gets down to crunch time at the end of the year. Well, they're not allowed to do three games in three nights. They could do back-to-back, but they can't do three and three. I know that for a fact. I don't know if they're going to change that due to the right. circumstance, but that is something That's what that, I meant. That's yeah. what I meant is whether or not they'll make an exception. I mean, I don't know how many teams are going to want to do a back-to-back-to-back, but, you know, if it means getting in games so that you can – potentially make the playoffs then I don't know we'll see they I should, guess they should do a double header like baseball can you imagine that you could do uh, like the you know the, you could do like the Bruins and the Canadians at noon and then again at three you know then you could play both goalies one could play the first game one could play the second game and then in the second game maybe you you give your third and fourth line guys more ice time. I don't know. It, it, it totally would not work. It's a different type of sport. Yeah, I was going to say, then you're going to end up with games like we have now where it's like an entire three lines made up of AHL players and even ECHL players. And then you have all of the starters are pretty much gassed, especially the, the solid D-men that play 28, 30 minutes a night. Right. In, in a normal game. Right. Can you imagine that, like a Chris Letang or a Seth Jones or somebody like that that gets eats up ice time? Yeah. And they'd be playing for 60 minutes. Yeah. That's nuts. It'd almost be like one of those overtime games that goes six periods. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, also causing a lot of uh, problems. Or COVID was also causing a lot of problems with, you know, hockey cards, which we're going to talk about. So, just a few things I'm going to throw out there. Um, so uh, let's see. 21-22 Upper Deck MVP has finally come out right at the end of December. Uh, end of December, early January. So that's out now. 21-22 Tim Hortons is out now. And if you're in Canada, you can buy those. And if you're in the U.S., well, just ignore that because you, you can't buy those. 21-22 um, 
Unless you got a hookup. Oh yeah, unless you got a hookup. Um I I would be dude, I'd put on all that weight that I lost over the pandemic if like I had a Tim Hortons and they were selling hockey cards down the you know, like I don't say hockey you know, if I had a Tim Hortons near me and they were doing the hockey card thing, I would so be like there every morning for like a coffee and a donut and then back in the afternoon for a sandwich and then back in the evening for uh I don't know what another sandwich, I guess, maybe another donut. Um, yeah, I would, uh, you know, that's kind of why I'm kind of glad that like they didn't have those McDonald's cards in the U S because I would have just eaten, found, found a way to eat McDonald's every day. (laughs) If, if, uh, the upper deck hockey cards, uh, from McDonald's were in the U S McDonald's as well as the Canadian ones. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So, uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, okay. 2122 pro set memories blasters. Um, those are actually available at target and target.com. I bought two 2122 pro set memories blasters. I haven't opened them yet. I also have a box of 2021 pro set memories sitting right here that I haven't opened yet because I've just been so busy with other stuff that I haven't been able to sit down and open my new cards. Oh, and I've also purchased four boxes of 2122 um, Tops album stickers because uh, I'm going to put together that album. I'm going to say I'm a glutton for punishment, but no, not really, because I've somehow but managed to complete the last two years' sets. So it is doable if you trade with, you know, trade with people and, you know, look hard enough and talk to enough people because you can't buy them directly from tops, the individual ones. If you need like five to finish your set, you really have to find somebody who has them. And I think somebody that I, somebody that on one of the sites that I trade on last year, they had like the two stickers that I needed. And I said, look, I need these two stickers. I don't have anything you need. Is there any way I can just work out some sort of a deal? Do you collect anything else? Do you collect hockey cards? Can I send you some you know, cards of your favorite player or whatever for these two stickers. And the guy's like, nah, man, that's cool. I'll just drop them in the mail. You know what I mean? So, because it was just like two, whatever, common stickers. I mean, they're all kind of printed in the same amount. But, um, so yeah, so those are out now. So we're finally getting to our 2122 products halfway through the 2122 season. Although I guess technically the season goes till July. We're only a third of the way through the season now, huh? One way of looking at it. Yeah, there's that. So what else? We have um, game-dated moments from Upper Deck. Card number 33, Brent Burns skates in 1200th game. Card 34, Jordan Cairo sets outdoor record with four-point outing in St. Louis's victory over Minnesota in NHL Winter Classic. Both of those cards are limited to 499 copies each. Um do you remember when they started limiting these to four ninety nine? Because I kind of remember them being just like an open number, or maybe they didn't disclose it. But I'm sure there's some cards out there with more than five hundred copies. I think maybe in the first couple years they did, mm-hmm. but the last few years, especially when it's gotten more popular, mm-hmm. um, almost all of it has limitation on what uh on how many they're going to actually produce and for 499 seems to be the that that that's the number that they mm-hmm. seem to be going with mm-hmm. um but it's interesting the uh 
you got to act quick on these. They're gone. Like, they're gone as soon as they pop up. So it's not like it's not like you have a chance to get these later on. So, like, we're sitting here talking about them now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. I mean, they're long gone. Um, within, usually within a few hours of these dropping, they're, they're wiped out. So. I mean, I still like to mention that they've come out. You know what I mean? Oh, like, no. I even don't. though. Yeah. Somebody I, I, might. Yeah. Of course. You gotta, you gotta say something about it. It's just funny that there's that much push to pulling the game dated moments cards. And I don't know if it's because just of the popularity of, you know, online, you know, ready to ready to print or print on demand mm-hmm. type stuff the way EPAC is. I don't know if it's the influx of more people using the app that are trying to go after the achievements. Um, but like I said, I mean, they sell out quick. Um, I think the next drop is Friday. Uh, so I imagine depending on who gets thrown into that mix, those will be gone pretty quick too. Also, I noticed, I got the notice today that, uh, EPAC is out of metal universe. They sold Mm. out. I could not bring myself to buy Metal Universe on EPAC. I looked at those prices and I said, nah. I mean, it was like $17.99 a pack or something. Yeah, it's um, it was more for a box on the EPAC than it is retail now. But I did notice that from the point in time that it hit EPAC till now, prices have dropped on singles. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. I was actually able to get most of the the bases, the base and parallel penguins mm. for a few cents here and there. So that was nice. Yeah, I'm about seven cards away from finishing the 200 card set. I think I need like four or five rookies and like two all stars, give or take, and then I'll have all of those. And then I still need about 20 of the uh retro cards and then check. the rest of them i'm just not worried about i was gonna say check com c because now that everything's been out for a while it's all flooded over there and the vast majority of it's like between 27 and 30 some cents yep for that's at least the base cards and the base retro ones yep that's where i just turned into that blue whale that swims with its mouth open and yeah. It's all the little fish at once. That's me on EPAC, like all the going around, picking up cards for 29 32 35 cents each, you know? Well, and the good thing is, too, you know, I've had my beef with ComC for quite a few years, but, you know, they're finally, for the most part, caught up yeah. as far as shipments and everything else. So I, I looked the other day and to ship the 300 cards I have, the estimated ship date is like two weeks out, mm-hmm. so I was I was quite shocked by that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I waited and waited and waited, and I finally got my. I think what I I think I had it sent to me. I think I, I think it took like five weeks. It it came pretty quickly. It was supposed to come in early January, and it actually came like second week of November. Um, so. 
It was, um, I mean, it was like a, over a month, but it wasn't like the eight weeks or whatever that they were saying it was going to be, or ten weeks or twelve weeks or whatever. I forget. I forget exactly now because it's it's kind of like in my rearview mirror, and I just don't. Um, not really thinking about it too hard, but I was just, you know, I resigned myself to the fact that it was going to take a long time for me to get these cards. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'll just get them in January. And then I got them in November. I'm like, okay, that's cool. November. And now I've like started thinking about it again. And I actually bought something on Com C the other day and just said, all right, we'll ship that later. Don't know when, but you know. Yeah. If you're not buying to flip because you're trying to hit like the immediacy of whoever it is that you're trying to buy. Right. I mean, it's definitely your your nice little, especially if you buy the cards and they're not something that you threw in there yourself. I mean, it's a nice storage for later kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you're building sets or putting stuff together, I mean, that's pretty much what I use my for. But and you know, transferring over, either transferring over the EPAC stuff or just letting comp c ship it directly from the epac account but like i said with with metal come and gone as quickly as it did and there's really not a whole large selection of hockey available on epac right now they did throw 2021 the ahl mm-hmm. cards up there and extended are still available but other than that you got 18 and 19 parkhurst are still out there a couple of the compendium sets and of course, you know, Granger coins if you're into that kind of thing. So hard no. Yeah. A lot of my Com C purchases, honestly, they're me flipping through uh, one of my sets and pages, noticing that I'm missing one or two cards. Like, you know, that I've documented, like need, you know, this card and that card. But I'll go through the set, I'll be like, huh, I can't believe I didn't finish that 9394 insert set. And then I'll look and then I'll find the card on Com C for like a buck fifty. And I'll be like, all right, I'm just gonna buy it and be done with it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm just gonna buy it and set it aside. Cause if I buy it on eBay, it's gonna be ninety-nine cents plus three dollars shipping. If I buy it on Beckett, it's gonna be five dollars shipping unless I spend like twenty-five or thirty dollars, depending on the, the Beckett seller, because every Beckett Marketplace dealer has their own rules. The ones that I tend to gravitate towards are the ones that say free shipping on $25 or more. And then I'll just, you know, fatten up on a bunch of 50 cent cards that I need and have those shipped to me. Um, But some of them have a higher threshold, like $50. And then I I don't really want to, you know, then I'm going to spend six hours going through this guy's Beckett store trying to find you know, $60 worth of cards that I need. And sometimes that's a challenge, but, um, so yeah, I, so I've, had, I've had pretty good success with sport lots the last couple of times I've ordered from them. I mean, the website's pretty wonky and it's a little difficult to search for stuff, but if you take the time and go through it, I mean, common cards especially are pretty cheap. And now that they have the, the box shipping capability, you yeah. can have all of your stuff sent directly to them and then have it all put in one box and then ship to you. So that saves on shipping. Yeah, Sports Lots looks like a website that I would have made in 1997 when I was teaching myself how to uh, do HTML. I mean, oh, it's it is, just... and you probably did. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, I just, I, 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 I can't not see the borders around the tables on that website. I mean, they just, everything has a border around it, and then they have, like, bright, 
pink and bright yellow and like pastel-y blue, like those colors, man. I mean, it's just like, it's just a terrible website. Well, if you can get past the uh, the antiquated look of it and the kind of the wonkiness of the use, I mean, there's definitely deals to be had on there, especially for trying to find commons because, you know, you don't want to pay 30 cents for commons like you do on Com C in most cases. On sport lots, they're about 18 cents. Mm-hmm. So basically cut that, almost cut that in half which uh, makes makes it a lot easier. So for filling in holes, I mean, I mean, let's face it. We, we collect mostly hockey cards, and where else are you going to be able to sit down and go through a box of cards other than a show? And around here, you don't get that luxury with hockey very often. So Right. You know, <clears throat> you got you to gotta pick and choose your battles and what stress and frustration you're willing to deal with in order to complete the goal. Hmm. Oh, and I'll just say, I'll just mention this really quick because I don't think I mentioned it earlier. Um, Tops Now stickers. So Tops issued a 19 sticker pack uh, available from January 7th to January 17th. So 19 stickers for $38.99. So that's like two bucks a sticker uh, to buy the stickers that don't have an album to go in into that sort of thing so i just mentioned that because you know tops now became more from something that i was really into two years ago to something that i'm really into making fun of now so i just like to kind of point that out that they're they're still making these stickers it's like you know they're they're making them and i mean people are buying them but i mean don't forget like the singles they sell now and in, in packs of five so if you want that Sidney crosby sticker you could buy a pack of five you know so if a hundred stickers were printed 111 stickers it's probably um 20 people buying a five pack of crosby stickers and then 11 people buying the uh pack that has one of each sticker because they're going to put it in a probably in an album it's like a nine pocket page or something i feel like this is going to come back to bite us all because this is going to be the new hot thing that we yeah, all because all the these ball on. yep yep because all these print runs are now you know sub 200 because no one's buying any of them and so now there's all the, there's going to be all these rare stickers in the you know 2019 2020 2021 yeah i'm still not buying them but i'm just saying you know you know some twerp skateboarder with a YouTube channel is going to, like, stick him on the bottom of his skateboard deck and then, like, be like, yeah, Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid on my skateboard, right? And then everybody's going to want those stickers for their skateboards, and then that's what's going to happen. Because uh, people do what they see their influencers do. You know what would be really funny if it made a comeback would be Pogs. Pogs? Pogs <laughs> was been, like the one I've been thing- waiting for Pogs to come back for years. You know, when Pogs came out, I knew they were stupid back then. I knew they were stupid then, and I know they're stupid now. But, like, back then, that was, like, the one collecting fad that I just said, these are dumb. Like, these are dumb. Okay, you play a game with them, but nobody wants to play a game with them. Did I buy Pogs back in the day? Yes, I did, and I will tell you what they were. They were, um... Alf? No, those don't exist. Those are only a Simpsons jokes. But if they did exist, I would buy. I did actually buy the Elf trading cards from Tops. 
I'm sure you're not surprised. You don't seem surprised. But, yeah, this is my shocked face. Yeah. So I did I did buy Elf trading cards from Tops, but uh, Spawn, the comic book superhero Spawn, had a set of Sp- uh, they're called Spogs. Um, Spawn Spogs. And I, huh? I said, of course they were. Yeah, of course they were Spogs. And I bought those back in the day because A, I liked Spawn, and B, they didn't make a trading card set. That's what they issued were those Pogs, those Spawn Pogs. So I, I bought them, and then I think I ended up selling my set of them probably like 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. So I had them for about 15 years, and then I unloaded them. Don't know if I got a profit or not, just wanted to get rid of them. I was like, these are dumb. Why did I buy these back in 92 or 93? You know, like, like I, I stupid, right? Um, there were hockey pogs in the mid-90s. I did buy complete sets well after the fact. Back then, I wasn't going to buy them. I wasn't going to waste my money on uh, on pogs in the 90s when there were, like, truckloads of trading cards you could buy. I have some, I have some pogs. I don't remember what year they're from, 93 or 94. I don't have that many. But then I also have, I have some of those catch coins. Yeah, what's up with those? Those are, I have like two of them floating around that just kind of get shuffled from one card box to another card box because I can't ever figure out what to do with them. So they just kind of, they just kind of float around my collection into like random boxes of things. I just have them of the players I collect. I never like actually tried to build sets or do anything like that. I just some of the players I collect, I have, I have those for. But what was and, the point? They're like you don't put them in pages. Do you play a game with them? What do you do with them? I I don't even know what the concept was of them. I imagine they were probably something similar, like Pogs were, but. Um, and then, if you remember back in 2000, was it 2010? They came out with rocks. Do you remember those? R O X X? Kind of. What were they? They were round like a pog, only they were more disc shaped, like an oval, kind of like hmm. a UFO. Hmm. And they made those. And they were, they were licensed by NHL. And they were available. I never saw them in stores anywhere, but I guess they were more prevalent in Canada. Mm-hmm. But I guess they were sold in like toy stores and stuff like that. Supposed to be some kind of game, but again, I only have like a couple penguin ones. I vaguely remember those. As much as I want to collect everything hockey, I, I learned that I have to focus on one thing or I just have a lot of everything, but a complete set of nothing. Yeah. Well, if you do try to find and track down those rocks ones, I found their Twitter page. Really? The, the last time they tweeted was April 21st, 2013. Whoa. And it, said, and it said, check out the NHL rocks. Rocks is the coolest collectible head to head game of skill based on old school New York and Philly street game called Scully's. And they have like our, their website and based in Toronto, Canada, and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. So it was rocks. Wow. They were they were something. But anyway, I digress. That's, that's pretty terrible. <clears throat> so do you want to – I want to talk a little bit about um, 
this thing that isn't hockey card related. It actually has to do with Pokemon cards, but it does have an it does have a connection to the larger trading card um, industry. So I'll just give the give the summary here. So a YouTube personality, I'm not sure what to call him, and I've never watched any of his videos, but this guy named Logan Paul. Have you He's heard of boxer. this guy? He's a boxer. He proclaims himself to be. Well, wasn't he that guy that like? It's either him or his brother. I can't I think remember it was his which brother, one, Jake. They're both. But anyway, idiots. anyway, so YouTube personality, as he's been called on numerous websites, so I guess that's what I'm going to call him too. Logan Paul spent 3.5 million dollars on a sealed six-box case of first edition Pokemon gaming cards. 3.5 million with an M. With an with an million. M. Million. 3.5 million dollars, not billion, right. million. Case of Pokemon cards. No, no, no. A sealed case. Uh -huh. Six boxes of first edition Pokemon gaming cards. Because, you know, there might be some Charizards in there, right? First anyway, edition? Whatever. The inaugural set. Okay. I'm not a CCG guy. I did buy these cards back in the day, but swear to God, they were for my brother. I have a brother who's 14 years younger than me. So when I was like 23, 24, he was 10. So, you know, I had a friend who worked at a card shop or a card and comic book store. So he was able to get Pokemon cards. And, you know, I had I had some disposable income in my 20s. So I would be that cool brother who would like visit my 10 year old brother and like give him all these Pokemon cards and, and just make his day. But anyway, so Logan Paul spends three point five million on a sealed six box case of Pokemon cards. The case was certified by Baseball Card Exchange. Now, I think most of us have heard of Baseball Card Exchange. And Tim, you've been to their store before, right? They're they're right in your backyard. Right down the street. Right down the street. So anyway, um, but the problem is, is that a um, a Pokemon blog called Poke Beach wrote a very detailed article about this case. Now, this case had been... An, uh, this case, I mean, this case of cards, but we could call it the case about the case of cards, um, had exchanged hands a few times. And a lot of, like, hardcore Pokemon gaming enthusiasts and Pokemon CCG collectors have tracked this case because they remember it being sold on eBay or trying to be sold on eBay for, like, you know, under $100,000, you know, before it, like, exchanged hands a few times and every time it gets sold it would go up for more and it gets sold and it goes up for more so the thing is is that um they basically did this really solid expose and i'm going to link to it if you're not a, a gaming card collector that's fine you should read this article it is fascinating they basically look at every picture and then they say this is why we think this is a fake case of cards from the tape that Wizards of the Coast, they used Ooh. tape that had writing on it that said, stop, return Wizards product. Wizards of the Coast? What's that? I said, Wizards of the Coast, I don't collect CCG stuff either, but even I've heard of them. Aren't they like, weren't they like a disgraced company or something like that uh, at some point? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean. Did some bunch of shady stuff or had like employees like selling crap out the back door or whatever. I, I, I think I remember something shady about them. Okay, well, anyway, the tape was different. And then the label on the, the box, you know, like, you know how, like, when you buy, like, uh, 
you buy something and they give you a receipt and you fold up that receipt and you forget about it. And then when you unfold it a week later, like half of the text on the receipt is gone. Yeah, because it's thermal. Thermal, right. So what they showed was that like the examples of sealed Pokemon cases from 1999, um, the labels were thermal printed, meaning that in 1999, the text would be nice and crisp and black on them. But 20 You're years later, about the shipping label, right? The stickers that's on the side, on the side of the box. Yeah, most but, of those are thermal. Yeah, so now it would they would be brown, and they would be even you might see them with some of the the text missing because it, it dissipates over time. But this one that Logan Paul bought had a very nice, crisp, sharp looking label on it that looks like it was printed, you know, a week ago. And then on top of that, the barcode doesn't match up with other barcodes on other examples of sealed cases. Oh, that's even better. Where did they find this case? The the one that he bought or the other yeah. ones? No, the one that the one that he bought. Where did they like where did whoever sold it, where did they find it? It's explained in the article. I didn't commit that to my long-term memory, so I can't okay. give you the specifics on that. But basically this case has changed hands a few times and every time it's been resold it's been resold for more and then somebody got it certified by baseball card exchange now here's the problem is that uh baseball card exchange is and i'm not paying them this compliment but they're known i don't say they're renowned their specialty is sports cards so you show them a sealed box of 94 95 flare hockey and they might be able to look at the box and tell if it's been tampered with or tell if it's not been tampered with. Or they might look at a pack, you know, uh, a, a pack of 1982 baseball and know if it's been tampered with or not tampered with because that's more of their specialty. They don't really do gaming cards. So I mean, their um, wheelhouse this, was always mail order for the longest time until they got their retail store. Mm-hmm. And that's all they did was catalog shipping. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably one of the largest sealed wax distributors out there because I mean, they go travel across the country and they buy collections, right? And they do it all year long, so they're always on buying trips. And you know, they're not they're not at your house buying your you know three boxes of ninety ninety one score that you still have on, that are sealed. They're buying you know like pallets and truckloads of people's collections that of the sealed wax that they've had forever so Mm -hmm. and and like you said they authenticate it and by authenticate they basically take it they look at it they make sure it hasn't been tampered with make sure the packs haven't been opened if it's sealed make sure it's original factory sealing and then they seal it in their own wrap to show that they have inspected it and basically they're putting their seal of approval saying yeah, this is legit or no, it's not legit. So my joke is that you're paying double for their shrink wrap with their logo printed on it. In some cases, I could see that. Like I see one guy selling, uh, say, a, t- a box of eighty nine ninety tops hockey, right, for 50 bucks. And then I go to baseball card exchanges table and they have the same box for 90 bucks, but it's in their special shrink wrap. Yeah, and essentially it boils down to do you trust them more to be able to say I'm willing to pay the extra money because I know that this has never been tampered with or touched, or do I trust the guy, the random guy over there with his box sitting there? 
I mean, yeah. that's really what it boils down to. And that's any company, their reputation is on the line based off of that. But you're right from your original point. These guys authenticate sports cards. Who took them? That's what I wonder. Who? How did they get their hands on this Pokemon box? And if just regular old CCG collectors have pointed out numerous flaws and red flags, I would imagine all of this stuff is just a Google away. Yes. Why would they yes. risk their reputation on authenticating something that clearly has questions? And, that, and that's the that thing. They, didn't do their ho- they did not do their homework. Obviously. They did not do their homework. And I guess the thing is, is like, you know, what do we always do when we have something and we're not sure about it? What do we do? We do a Google search. We do a Google image search. When that doesn't work, what do we do next? We talk to people we know who know the thing or we go on message boards and we ask about the thing, right? And this guy would have, uh, they would have found out if they had just done a little bit of Googling. Um, if something, you know, like if if something like that came to me, I would want to do my research. And I guess that's the thing is like, so there's a couple questions here to ask ourselves. The first question is, will this affect basically the industry's opinion or the hobby's opinion of baseball card exchange um, as an authenticator of sealed products, if this is determined to be a fake case? Because Logan Paul did come uh, to Chicago. I guess he flew into Chicago to to drive out to to Indiana to uh, meet with them about that. But that's still up in the air. I haven't heard anything about it since then. So um, is this going to hurt their reputation? Um, And then I also wonder, do buyers put too much trust into grading and authentication? To your first point, I don't think it will. Because like we just said, their wheelhouse is sports cards. Mm-hmm. So they F up a, a card game box, which that's not their specialty or anything else. Okay. Yeah, it was a three and a half million dollar screw up. But at the same time, dude, you're this mega millionaire Uber influencer, YouTuber, boxer, whatever the heck you are. Right really you're just going to spend three and a half million dollars on something sight unseen and not consult anybody that maybe oh i don't know knows what they're talking about but rather than talking to your little minions and all your little group that you surround yourself with that are all about we got to make a buck we got to make a buck so everybody's telling you make a buck and they're saying hey look Here's this box of cards that could be worth three and a half million. Well, I'm going to buy it for three and a half million dollars and not consult actual experts. Well, you know what? That's on you, man. That is on you. Now, now let me just interject here for a second, because when he bought the box, he put this video out where he's with his friend and he's like, I just bought this sealed case of Pokemon first edition cards. There's only one of these sealed cases left in existence and I have it. And then the other guy's like, oh, I can hear the Charizards trying to get out of that box. Ha ha ha. Right. And that's the thing is that this guy was like, Paul, he was like, 
I'm the only one who has this thing. So I feel like he bought it to be so that he could go on YouTube and say, I'm the only one who has this thing. But then again, this uh, Polka Beach website pointed out, they said, no, that's not true. There's like two other very active collectors in the Pokemon card community who also have sealed cases of the 1999 first edition Pokemon cards. So, you know, it was more about him just saying, hey, I have this thing. Look at how shiny and cool it is. And therefore, look at how cool I am, right? Like, that was the thing. It was and that's like, my point. It's not about whether or not it was something that he wanted or to enjoy or anything like that. It was about, I'm the first and the only, and I have this and you don't. Isn't that what card collecting's become, though? When you got guys paying $3 million for a sports card, isn't that kind oh. of really what it's become? I don't think that's what card collecting has become. I think that's what the the whole let's put a shine on what's hot right now has become. If you want to call it investing, so be it. But I don't think they the people that are dropping three and a half million. I, I, let's put it this way: I want to see Logan Paul's Pokemon collection. I, I want to see it. I want to see his longtime collection that he's had since he was a kid. I, I want to see it. Guess what? We never will because it doesn't exist. Right. I feel like this is like if if you wanted to impress your friends who are into wine, so you just went and bought a bunch of wine and exactly. just said, oh, okay, uh, I want to spend $5,000 on a bottle of wine. You know what yeah. I mean? Here, just give me something, right? Here's like, my $5,000 bottle of wine. Are you impressed? What does it taste like? I don't know. Probably tastes like crap. Most wine does taste like crap to me, but a $5,000 bottle of wine or a $5 bottle of wine – I probably could not tell the difference. No, I'm yeah. exaggerating a little bit there, but you, you understand. You get my point. Yeah. But yeah. back to what we were saying before about baseball yes. card exchange, I don't think their reputation necessarily is going to take a hit on this other than to be like, hey, you can authenticate whatever you want, but leave uh, the Pokemon cards out of it. But the other part of it, well, the second part of your question was – whether or not people are going to lose trust in the the greater or do people put too much i guess mm-hmm. uh, i've been saying that for years and i think we all have mm-hmm. people put way too much trust in these arbitrary things that somebody's coming up with and saying well this is a 10 and this is a 9 and this is an 8 this is a 7 and this is real and this isn't and this is a fake autograph and this is a real autograph and this card's been doctored and this card's been cut and this card's been cleaned all of these people they're self-proclaimed experts they're not experts what makes you an expert did you go to all this schooling and have all this education? Maybe your experience makes you an expert. Maybe you've done it so many times that you've now created this you know, realm of the things that you're an expert at. I, I get that. I mean, anybody that has a job or does anything, you know, that's how that works. You're, you do it for long enough. You become an expert at it. But at the same time, not every one of these companies has experts. I mean, look at how many grading companies just keep popping up and haven't been around forever. Sure, mm-hmm. PSA's been around a long time. Sure, Beckett's been around a long time. Sure, CSG's been around a long time. I mean, mostly for coins and comics and stuff, but they moved over into the card realm. But, you know, SGC, they haven't been around 
as long. Mm-hmm. All of the new ones, like hybrid and all of that, mm-hmm. they haven't been around that long at all. And it seems like every week or every couple of weeks, another new one pops up. And it's like everybody's capitalizing on the money-making aspect of it right now. And until that dies off, you know, will the big three or big four of the grading companies still be around? Probably, because people are going to still put a lot of stock into that. But, I mean, come on. You know, when you see it time and time again on social media, you know, somebody takes a bunch of these ultra-modern cards and they send them all into, let's say, PSA, and they come back and, you know, oh, these are right out of a pack. These should all be 10s. Well, and they come back, 9s and 8s and stuff like that, and they get ticked off and they bust them open and they, they decide, well, I'm going to send them to Beckett now. And so then they go and they send them to Beckett. And Beckett comes back with a lot of the same grades, maybe a couple higher, maybe a couple lower. Well, then they get ticked off again and all the lower ones, they bust open again, send them to a different grader. And it's like, don't you see the problem with that? Like, like what's the, where's the disconnect? And you're like, I'm not happy with these grades. I think they're better. So I'm going to send them somewhere else. Okay, so now you're basically saying that you're the expert. However, you're going to pay someone all this extra money to tell you that you either A, are the expert, or B, are not the expert, even though you feel like they're better. So if one company gives you an eight and you're like, oh, I think it should be better, and you send it to somebody else and they give you a nine and you think it should be better, and you send it to somebody else, they should give you 10, who's right? The 8, the 9, or the 10. To you, it's the 10 because you thought it was a 10, so somebody validated your thought. But guess what? You had three different people that claimed to be experts with three different opinions. And that's that's where this problem with grading exists because there is no consistency across the board. And there never will be because there's no regulation to it. There's no rules. And anybody can be a grader it's just a matter of what you're going to stake your reputation on and whether or not you can stick around long enough to develop the clout to get a following to make you the money because let's face it they're about making money they didn't start these companies to do this to be like you know what i'm going to do a service for the world and i'm going to make sure everything you know if it's mint we really know that it's mint. If it's near mint, we really know that it's near mint. They didn't start that for the good of their heart. They started it to make money. And all of them are making money. And whether it's the grading card companies themselves or what we've seen more recently popping up at card shows over the last couple of years, the graders that grade the graders, and you can you know take your graded card and take it to this other person, they're like, yep, I agree, that's... So I'm going to put my grade of their grade on this card. And so people are doing that now too. And, you know, buying boxes of cards or, and taking somebody else to say, hey, is this real? Yeah, it looks real to me. And I'm going to re-shrink wrap it. And then I'm going to charge you, you know, because I authenticated it. And I said that this is real. So whatever that grading or authenticating or any of that is, I, I don't, that's not that's not in my wheelhouse of collecting like that's not my 
thing. That's not my intention. Would I love to send my collection off the whole thing to be graded? Sure. Do you know what that would cost? A bajillion dollars. A, a, a Googleplex bajillion dollars is what it would cost, especially with the pricing of this stuff now. So do I think their reputation takes a hit? No. Do I think the grading companies and, and all of that, is there too much reliance on it? Absolutely. Right. So if if people are becoming more and more reliant on grading just to be like, uh, I'm going to, you know, oh, well, it says it's a 10, so I'm going to buy it without even looking at it. Um, I mean, these are two kind of different things. I think like what Baseball Card Exchange did was they authenticated the case and it clearly is not authentic. I mean, even if the barcode on the box is wrong or on the sticker or whatever, that's a pretty serious red flag. Um, I know nothing about this. And if you're telling me there's a thermal sticker that looks like it was printed yesterday on it, there's a problem. Yeah. I can tell you that right now, and I've never even seen this damn thing. Well, you know, next time I send you a link to read the article, just look at the pictures then, okay? <laughs> apparently, I sh apparently I should have, because... yeah. Um, that to me is ridiculous because we used to have a thermal printer when I worked retail and in the receiving department. So mm -hmm. you would take the thermal printer and you would print your shipping label, boom, you slap it on it. Many times we would have labels that we would print. And I know because I printed them and they would go on a product that would end up sitting on the shelf in the back for six months, a year, longer. Even in that time frame, those would fade. So yeah. if there's a thermal sticker on this box from 20-some years ago, come on. Yeah, it should be it should be faded. So um, I want to end this conversation about this thing because we're going to move on to some other topics. But I just want to end with a little bit of advice that a, uh, that a pretty smart collector gave me. Actually, that was you. It was some was it advice me? that you gave me. Yeah. All right. And I think this was great advice. And actually... You gave me this advice, really, I remembered uh, maybe about six or eight months ago when I started doing mm. card shows, when I started buying cards to sell and selling cards at shows, you told me two things that stand out to me. One was do your research. You said, you know what, dude, there's no easy way around it. You just, you have to do your research. You have Absolutely. to do your until you know things intuitively. Like if you can look, like I could look through a box of hockey cards and pretty quickly kind of get a feel for like, okay, these are good cards. These are not good cards. There's a few good cards in here, whatever, for most of the stuff. There's stuff that I still don't know. Hand me a box of 2002 Pacific. I'm probably going to be like, uh, are these short prints? Are these hard to come by? Because that's not in my wheelhouse as opposed to, say, 80s tops hockey cards or whatever. But do your research. And I've had to do a lot of research, especially as I kind of segued into some baseball and basketball and football. And the other thing that you told me is that sometimes you overpay for things and sometimes you get burned. And that's just part of the experience is that you're not going to get the deal of a lifetime with every transaction you make, every purchase you make, whether, I mean, maybe as not as a buyer and, and maybe not as a, uh, as a buyer, I mean, as a collector, you know, you go and you buy a card for $12 and then you go two tables down and another guy had the same card for $10 and you're like, oh, did I get burned? I mean, I could have paid $2 less at this table, right? Whatever. I mean, uh, or as a, uh, as a, somebody who buys and sells cards, 
I'm not going to call myself a card flipper because it's not like I'm going to Target and buying up all their Pokemon or, or, or baseball or whatever. But like, you know, I bought some baseball cards off of somebody with the intention of reselling them. Um, and I, you know, I did my research and I didn't overpay, but then I bought other cards off of people and I've probably paid a little too much for them. This is part of the fine tuning process, right? Where you get, you know, sometimes you get a good deal and sometimes you get a deal that's not so good. And it's just, it's, it's part of it. Sometimes you get a little burned. I mean, it sounds like this guy got burned because he didn't do his research. This guy, meaning Logan Paul got burned because he didn't do his research. He just saw, oh, they're selling this thing for three and a half million dollars. And won't I look like a really awesome person if I just pay a lot of money for this thing and then say, oh, I'm the only one who has this thing. And then it's like, well, one, you're not the only one who has this thing. And two, the, the thing isn't even really the thing that you think it is. So uh, yeah, do your research and sometimes you overpay or get burned. Not to beat a dead horse, but I st- I just started thinking, can you imagine? So this thing is fake, right? He busts, he busts it open or maybe he sells it. And whoever, somebody down the line busts it open, pulls out a box, opens up the box, and there's like two packs, and everything else underneath is like a brick. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's very, very possible. Every one of these could have been searched and gone through. The packs are all open. I mean, somebody could have put cardstock in there that weighed the same. Who knows? I think if you were selling a sealed case, you could put anything in there. As long yeah. as it had the same weight. Yeah. We had, again, I go back to work in retail. We had somebody return a special order printer that weighed a ton. And they returned it. The box looked perfectly fine. It still had the straps on it and everything else. And it wasn't to my store. But it turned out that there were two cinder blocks inside the box. Wow. Yeah. So, who knows? So um, I want to talk a little bit about Tops. So Fanatics acquired Tops for five hundred million dollars. Um, who called? Who called that one? Who had the over under on that one? I don't know. I mean, we knew it was either going to be Tops or Upper Deck. We knew it wasn't going to be Panini because Panini is a you know an Italian company. I mean, you have Panini America, but I don't think they'd sell off their American business. They'd probably be more likely to just hold it i don't know um or or just not or just focus on other things i mean panini still does a lot of stickers i mean they do stickers for i mean tops is doing stickers now with with hockey the tops buy made way more sense because you got to figure upper deck's been upper deck's been exclusive with hockey for so many years and tops has been known to be the flagship product for pretty much all all sports at some point or another throughout time I mean, you had you had tops producing hockey cards for many years. You had tops producing football cards for many years, basketball cards. So I mean, tops tops has the reputation of doing that. So since Fanatics has all the licenses except the hockey one, made sense. Well, I mean, there were two things they could have done. They could have bought Upper Deck, and then had the hockey license, and then had somebody to print their cards, or they could have bought tops. And that would have gotten them the baseball card license much sooner because you had, I think the PA license was expiring in 2024 and the MLB license was expiring in 2025, or maybe I have that flipped. But the point is, is that 
if you have the license to make baseball cards and you have to wait four years, a lot's going to happen in four years. So it made more sense for them to buy tops now, not tops now stickers or tops now cards, but to buy tops ASAP. So then you have the baseball card license immediately. Plus you also get formula one racing, you get major league soccer, you get the, uh, champions league soccer, you get that, uh, other one, uh, Bundelisa or whatever, the German league. So you get all these soccer leagues, you get Formula One, and then you can make baseball cards starting in 2022, which it is 2022. Happy New Year. So that made more sense. Plus, I mean, the just the equity in the Tops name. I mean, if I was going to buy a brand name, it would be Tops. Like, if I can make the perfect card, they'd be produced by Upper Deck, because I think Upper Deck makes nicer cards than Tops, even though... Now we're kind of splitting hairs because everybody kind of does a lot of the same things. I still think Upper Deck has nicer looking cards, but Tops is the name that everybody knows. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I mean, this is, I, I remember maybe about seven or eight years ago um, when my grandmother was still alive, I was visiting her in the hospital and uh, she was kind of in and out of the hospital a lot during the last few years of her life. And so she She'd nod off, and I'd always bring a book to read. And so I was reading the book Card Sharks, which was about the trading card industry and about how Upper Deck basically took it over. Great book, published in 1995, Card Sharks. Every card collector should read this book. So anyways, um, she asked me what I was reading, and I just, oh, you know, I'm reading this book about baseball cards. And then she looked, and she said, oh, does Tops still make baseball cards? And I'm like, well, yes, Grandma, they do. And she's like, yeah, it was T-O-P-P-S, right? I'm like, yeah, good good memory, Grandma. She's like, yeah, they've been around forever. She's like, I remember their, their bubble gum back in the 30s and 40s. And, and, you know, of course, she didn't, like, collect the cards. But she was like, I mean, she knew that I was in the hockey cards when I was a kid. And, you know, she's bought me a lot of cards as presents and stuff. But, like, you know, here is a woman in her, like, late 80s early 90s and you know she she knew who tops was and even knew how to properly spell their brand name so i mean that's that's brand equity right now that's staying power you know what i mean i mean if you have people from way back when remembering tops so yeah i think that was a good move by them um it's also kind of for hockey collectors it, it kind of means it's status quo for us as far as upper deck stuff don't know what's going to happen with tops now Tops hockey stickers, they'll probably continue making those because why not? Um, or why bother, right? I guess if you have it, you should definitely make them. I mean, I wouldn't not make them if I got the license for that. But I, I almost feel like Fanatics has bigger fish to fry than like little sticker albums. You know what I mean? Like, go away, little sticker albums. Nobody collects you. Nobody wants you print on demand stickers. We're going we're gonna to make some baseball cards that people are going to want to buy. It wouldn't shock me in the least if they did dump that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds to me like it's a lost leader. So, I mean, unless they have a long-term license or agreement or something where they have to produce it, I can't see it sticking around many more years. Pun intended? Yes. I didn't realize what I said for a second. Yes, <laughs> pun intended. So, and what about the digital apps like Top Skate? hockey and tops bunt baseball and and all the other ones i mean i Again, i don't know what their licensing is like for those so i mean i still use skate i i've used it every year i log in every day i 
buy packs. I do that. You know, whatever. It's fun. For yeah. what it is. It's fun for what it's it the, is. It's the clo- it's the closest I'll ever get to NFT because I don't I don't put stock in NFT. So when uh-huh. I say I buy stuff on there, I don't buy it like with real money. I buy it with the coins that you get for free right. for doing tasks and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, watch this video and then yeah, get, yeah. get six coins. Yeah, spin the wheel, watch a video, collect certain things because there's daily tasks that it tells you to do like you'll have like five or six different tasks each day and you know open one pack that gets you so many coins open Mm -hmm. you know spin the wheel three times that gets you so many coins you know do a trade that gets you so many coins so oh that's cool they made a little more interactive yeah and then they they put together different things that you can collect and awards and all that kind of stuff so it's way more interactive and it still has the fantasy aspect where you can put in lineups and compete and all of that kind of stuff against each other for different awards. So they, I mean, they've souped it up, but again, that's the closest thing that I'll ever get to NFT type things, but I enjoy it and it's, you know, it's a good time waster and it, I like it, but at the same time, I don't spend actual money on it. I don't know how many people that do um, for them to be able to turn around and say, yeah, we make money off of this. This is a good thing. But again, I don't know what their licensing is like for that type of stuff because I don't know that that information's ever been thrown out there to say mm-hmm. that the NHL signed a X number of year deal where Tops has to produce, you know, this app or has to produce so many years worth of stickers or whatever. I don't I don't know what those deals are. Yeah, I again I feel like they just have well with as far as hockey and tops, the sticker album was I think a little bit of a coup that they were able to get that away from Panini because Panini had to such dominance in the the sticker album realm. Like when you go to the dollar store, you go to Target or whatever and you know you see like you know, uh, FIFA sticker albums and Disney princess sticker albums and whatever Disney movie is out right now, there's a sticker album or a Pixar uh, movie and there's a sticker album for that. And then, you know, football, baseball, basketball, I think, although I think Tops does all of those now. I know they do baseball stickers or I'm pretty sure they do, but like, um, yeah, I just, I think that they would, it, it almost seems like they don't have to do that at this point. I feel like Tops was like, they kept trying to edge back into the hockey card market, like with, you know, doing stuff like the skate app and doing stuff like the now stickers. And, and I I have this theory where like, once they kind of saw that they weren't going to get into the hockey card space again, they, they kind of just have been phoning it in with the now stickers, you know, whereas, or like, remember like puck attacks, right? Remember puck attacks back in like, uh, 2009, 2010, right? Because unfortunately, the, because the license was going to be up for grabs then the next year. So then they ended up doing the dual license with Upper Deck and uh, Panini, and Tops was shut out of that. So they didn't keep doing puck attacks. They're like, oh, screw this. You know, we're not going to make these stupid hockey disc shaped card game things because it didn't get our, it didn't, we tried to get our foot in the door with like, well, we'll make this thing that's like a hockey card if, and maybe you'll let us make hockey cards, you know? 
it's like maybe we can just go out and just be friends but then if that works out maybe we could be something more than friends right huh huh, huh? and then you find out you're you've been friend zoned and then you're just like all right forget it yeah i can see that i just wish um, there was more transparency as to um you know what those licenses entail and and you know how long oh, they'll they have never tell. when they go away oh yeah of course they won't they'll never tell they'll never tell and i i know this because i know like when the um when uh, upper deck extended their um license with the nhl like uh what was a couple years not not this most recent one but a couple years back like a few years after the the panini deal ended and then they went with an exclusive and i remember around 2017 or so they uh they extended that agreement and trust me i asked upper deck i asked the nhl and i asked the nhlpa i talked to all three entities none of them would answer that question Upper Deck was like, well, you'd have to talk to the NHL and the Players Association to get that information. And and then when I talked to somebody with each of those entities, they were just like, well, you know, I mean, that's not something we're going to disclose. Like, they, they wouldn't tell me. Uh, I think I was writing a piece for Hockey News about this. So I was just like, well, hey, yeah, so uh, how long is this deal anyway? Because, you know, people should know how long this deal is. Because that's, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of, of the article. And they're just like, well, it's just it's just a multi-year deal. That's all they tell me. Yeah, and that's what they always say when Upper Deck ends up renewing the NHL license too. It's a multi-year deal. It's well, a multi-year deal. How many years multi? Well, we've come to know that multi means generally at least five. Yeah. Well, but that makes sense though, because you want to have like a plan. Like if it's a year-to-year thing, that first year you're just trying to get into the market trying to establish yourself and, and trying not to screw anything up, you know, uh, look at how Panini screwed a lot of things up in their first year with their license, right? 10, 11. Um, and so when you know that you got the license for five years, you can actually focus on building the brand and not just, I need to just, you know, hit the ground running and uh, just get in there and, and, and do everything right. You can you could take a few chances, but then you can also kind of like start developing a long term plan where you're not just thinking about, OK, what cards are we going to make this fall? And then you start saying what cards are we going to make this fall and next fall and next spring? And, you know, how can we like plan this out? Like and I, that's way more exciting. And I think that's uh, I mean, stability is a great thing. You know, I, I think it's, again, it's been, a, we've talked about how we want competition, but at the same time, like I said, I still think Upper Deck makes the nicest cards. I'm glad they make hockey cards. Like if I had to pick one company to make hockey cards, yes, I do miss tops. Yes, I do get jealous of when I see all the cool stuff they do with baseball and want that with hockey. But then again, you know, we get stuff like Allure and um, Platinum and that's pretty close to Topps Chrome, I think. So I, I could live with that. Closest we're going to get. Yeah. So um, the last thing I want to talk about in this episode is about uh, Upper Deck will make cards for the Premier Hockey Federation starting in 2022-23. And if you're not sure who the Premier Hockey Federation is, that used to be the National Women's Hockey League. They changed their name and they've rebranded as the PHF. And they are going to have hockey cards that will be, they'll have um, 
physical cards and EPAC cards. They said like digital cards, but they meant like EPAC, not like Tops Skate app type digital cards, but like EPAC type stuff. So um, I think this is interesting. We have, um, you know, I know that uh, Panini makes WNBA cards for the Women's National Basketball Association, and that's cool. Um, I know, what was it? Um, about seven or eight years ago, I did, I did a, con- I did this academic conference. It's exactly what you think it w- would be like, but it was a pop culture academic conference. So it was like, you know, people doing like deconstructive pieces about like, you know, like Disney or Star Wars or whatever. And there was like a sports panel group that I was a part of. And I did this presentation about sports trading cards. And um, one thing that somebody asked me in the audience when I took questions was, are there any cards of women athletes? And I thought that, and, and she said, and do you think if there was, that would bring more girls into collecting cards? And I said, that's a great question. There are really not a lot of cards of female athletes. I mean, you have a handful here and there with like the hockey cards, you know, you have some Team Canada players in like an upper deck hockey set, including this year's Tim Horton set. But, you know, eight years ago when I was having this conversation, I'd point out like a few, you know, a few like, oh yeah, Man Onorium had a card. And then, you know, there's the WNBA cards. And then you have like your Olympic hopefuls that have like, you know, both men and women uh, Olympic athletes. Um, and I said, yeah, I said, I think that would definitely bring more girls into collecting if um, there were female athletes that they could look up to and and uh, not just look up to, but collect their cards and their memorabilia. But then at the same time, I think about this and I go, yeah, but when was the last time you saw a women's hockey game on TV? And the last time I could think of one was uh, during that All-Star game a couple of years ago when they had that three-on-three game. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was lit. I mean, that was a good game. And I've tried streaming a few games here and there, but I think it's exciting that there's going to be cards, but then I'm wondering what the demand is going to be like if uh, the PHF is going to be able to raise its media profile, get some games on TV somehow, or, I don't know, just make it a little bit well, easier to find. Because I, I always hear about them after the fact. Well, and here here's here's the thing. Thing. If you're a fan, you're going to find it. Yes. If you're not a fan and you're curious, you can find it. If you're not a fan and you're not sure if you're curious because you don't have any knowledge of it, maybe you're not going to stumble upon it. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's the that's the thing because right now PHF is on ESPN Plus. So unless you pay for ESPN Plus or have like the Disney package, you wouldn't get it. So all of the games that I've watched, and I have watched quite a few, have been on ESPN Plus. Okay. Because they pretty much broadcast most of the PHF games on there. Now, I haven't seen a game in a while, and I think that's partly because they've canceled a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not mistaken... The last game I watched was during, like, right over Christmas. Uh, it was like the, uh, I think it was the Whale versus the Buttes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're, the games are there. You just have to, you have to go and find them. 
So I think fans of fans of the sport will go and find them. Um, and people that are curious can search for them. But like I said, if I'm flipping channels and I'm flipping through sports channels and, you know, oh, there's this, you know, something on and I might stop and watch it, you're not going to get that because it's something that's behind a paywall right now. And that's how I discovered hockey was by turning on the wrong channel by mistake back in early 1989. And, and I'm serious, honest to God, that's how I discovered hockey. And, and that's that's the thing. Maybe now it's not. Not going to happen get, that way. Yeah. And maybe, maybe not. Maybe now we're in a time where, you know, stuff behind a paywall or stuff on a streaming service and things like that. Maybe that's just commonplace. It's not to me yet, but, you know, to my kids, I think it is. There's a lot more channels, too, now. Oh, yeah. There's, there's way, way more. more. There's I way mean, more. I, I and, remember when it was under 100 channels. Well, and I'm, I was thinking the other day about that, too, about all the different streaming services that we have flowing through my house. And it's like we have Amazon Prime and we have Netflix and we have the Disney package. And we have the regular movie channels as part of our cable package, too, which means we also get like Showtime and HBO and all of that. So it's like you have all of this and all of these services that are available to you. I was willing to pay money for the Disney package when I knew ESPN was getting hockey Mm -hmm. because I knew Essentially, it would be like having center ice package, and it was way cheaper than that. Yes. And that's how it's turned out to be. And the best part about it is when there's games on and ESPN covering them, and they cover a lot of them, you you, you have the choice of the home and away feed. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's just like having center ice. <clears throat> These PHF games that have been on there, they've pretty much shown a, a lot of them. And I don't think those have home and away feeds, but, you know, it, I mean, it does give you the opportunity to, to watch the games played. So at least it's out there somewhere. How does the broadcast measure up to say like a ESPN NHL hockey broadcast? It's different. Not um, as many camera angles or. Yeah. And there's not as. I don't think it's – I don't want to say it's online with, like, uh, watching a junior game. But if you've ever watched AHL games on TV, it's more like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the lighting always seems a little darker when I watch those, like, Chicago Wolves games. Like, it's a little bit off. Not as but, bright. I mean, but but it's it's women's hockey, so – you know, you're not going to you're not going to get it anywhere else. Right. And I, I think that's exciting. I think there's I mean, like I've said before, there's always room for this uh, for, you know, women's professional hockey and women's professional whatever. My whole thing is that because when well, one, I don't have a dog in the fight, meaning there's no Chicago team. I kind of like the uh, Metropolitan Riveters logo. So maybe that'll be the team that I gravitate towards. Because I would wear that jersey, you know what I mean? Like I, I that'd probably be the team that I would follow if I was going to pick one. But um, there's no Chicago team, 
So I'm just like, eh, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll watch uh, the Blackhawks or or another NHL game. But there's um, a Connecticut whale that look like the Whalers. But calling a team the whale. They're not a whale. The whale. Connecticut whale. Yeah, okay, but a whale and a whaler are two different things. Well, that may very well be. Who else is there? There's Boston Pride, uh, Buffalo Buttes. Toronto Six. Uh, oh, yeah, Toronto Six. That's the one I was thinking. Oh, uh, the Minnesota Whitecaps. Whitecaps. Whitecaps, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one I couldn't think of. Yeah, interesting about uh, the Whitecaps is they were just like their own thing. They were kind of like their own club hockey you know, like their own organization, and then they just kind of grew into uh, a, a team that became part of this league. But they've been around forever, like kind of as an independent. Um, well, I think I remember reading an article when this got thrown on ESPN. Yep. Was that prior to that, when they were still the National um, Women's Hockey League? Yeah, I believe they said something like, they were streaming on Twitch, and they had over two million views or something like that. Nice of their games. So, I mean, there's definitely room for it. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get the same pull as you would get for like the Super Bowl or anything like that. No, I mean, nobody's silly to think that. But. Well, even the Stanley Cup doesn't get the same pull as the Super Bowl. But there's a market for it. It's there. I like it, and now that they're going to make cards for it, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I want to see how how much they rely on EPAC as a platform to put these out. I know they're going to have physical product, but I can see them jumping into that NFT platform that Upper Deck's planning in the near future. Well, okay, so here's my here's unless my, of course NFTs get outlawed. Here's my concern with. Upper Deck making Premier Hockey Federation cards. And it's going to be my same concern slash reservation about their AHL cards, is that they make sure they short print cards. And I can understand, okay, you got to short print the young guns because that's how you get people to buy 30 boxes of the same product so that they can get, you know, Kirill Kaprizov young gun or whatever. That does not translate to the AHL level, right? Like, AHL, I want the full set. I don't want to futz around with short prints because a short printed AHL card is still an AHL card. And you could have an AHL card of a, a guy who goes on to like great things in the NHL, and that's great. I mean, it's exciting. Like I was thumbing through some of my AHL cards from five or six years ago. I found Connor Hellebuck. I found um, Matt Murray, which I know he's not doing great now, but you know, Hellebuck, Matt Murray, Jordan Binnington. I'm like, yeah, these guys are like, you know, like NHL regulars now. And and here they were five, six years ago in the AHL. So that's that's exciting to me. Um, but what's not exciting to me is spending a lot of money trying to complete an AHL set. Um, should they go the box set route with the PHF cards? I don't know if that'd be a bad idea. I think a box set would be great. 30 bucks. There's six teams. Make a card of everybody. You know, make it as inclusive as possible because these cards can be a tool for people to get to know the players, kind of like they were back in the 90s when I was collecting. I mean, now there's so many NHL players 
other than like the compendium set, they don't even bother trying to make a card of every single player. But I think that would be awesome with a team that has six leagues or uh, six, a league that has six teams. You're looking like 20 players per team, give or take. We're talking about a set of cards that's like 120, 130. I mean, they could make it a box set. I can't see this like pack by pack. Sure, five card packs, but please don't short print. Please don't short print because I feel like these are probably going to appeal to people who are not necessarily card collectors, and that's a great thing. But I feel like if you make the set too hard to build, it's going to turn off the people who are not the traditional card collectors. Like you and I have learned to put up with the BS of short prints. We have. We've just we've we've grown to accept it. Like, am I going to just finish the base set, or am I a glutton for punishment and am I going to try to get those last hundred cards? But I mean, it's the reality of the game now. But in a league with you know less than 150 players, don't short. Well, I think there's still a draw for AHL cards. Um, yes. And I think that's part of the reason why Upper Deck does them the way that they do. Um, you know, if you bought a box of the AHL cards, so the regular AHL set, it's 150 base cards. Yeah. But there's 50 star rookies. Mm-hmm. There's also an all rookie team. There's all stars. And I think they have a standout set this year. So. You're talking 250 cards in the standard numbering. And anything past 150 is somewhat short printed. Obviously, because you're not going to get the same odds in the box. So you can consider those to be short printed. 250 cards, I think that's probably much when you only have six teams. Yeah. You know, doing something where you're 150 cards, maybe 50 extra, it's 200 total. I would say max on a, on a set. I don't think it'll be that big, to be honest with you. I think packs will be probably the way to go. And if they want to get interest in them, they're going to have to make them like MVP packs, I think. How so? They've got to have a lower price point on them. 259 ish per because pack? Because even, even AHL packs are 5 bucks. Eesh. So... You know, you know, buying a box, you can buy a box of AHL for like 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find them retail, you can probably get them less. Right. But I, on EPAC right now, it's 58 for a box. That's 4.99 a pack. Right. I don't know that 4.99 a pack is makes sense. 2.99 a pack, maybe. I'm gonna think that the licensing fee is gonna be a little bit lower. Oh, I'm sure it will be. And so that's going to cut down the, their cost on these packs or these cards. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm also not saying that from a standpoint of, well, you know, they're women, so they should be less money. That's not no. what I'm, that's not what my target is. My My point is this has never been done before. Because when you were talking about you know, you went to the this conference and somebody asked you about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were saying that, the only thing I could think of was 97, 98 Collector's Choice when they had the USA, the USA and Canada cards of the women players. I can't think of another set 
that was specifically designed to be women of hockey or women of anything really i wrote a small piece about this for the hockey news for their olympic issue that's coming out in february because i mentioned the uh, phf cards 97 98 collector's choice yes now that had only canadian players was it just canadian okay now 94 95 classic had a insert set called women of hockey that had 19 American players, 20 Canadian players, and a checklist. So it was a 40-card insert set called Women of Hockey, and it had some absolute bangers in that set. Daniel Goyette is in that set. Angela James is in that set. Cami Granado is in that set. Um, there's like one or two others who are in like the Hall of Fame that are in that set. I mean, it is... And then, like, practically everybody that was in that insert set played in that Olympics in 98. And then, like, four or five of them went on to the Hockey Hall of Fame. So, I mean, it's it's a and, – and they're also printed on shiny foil board. So, it's such a 90s set, you know. But um, that is the first time I could think of of women hockey players other than the one-off Manon Riom cards – the classic did in the early nineties. I mean, I know they did like seven cards of her in one set and they do like a couple cards of her in another set. And I know Aaron Witten was in a couple of uh, classic sets as well. Um, but uh, it's not, it definitely doesn't get the attention because it's classic and classic gets generally ignored. Well, I no, mean, but cause... what I'm saying though, is that they were ahead of their time. They were really ahead of the time. I mean, as soon as they said, you know what? The Olympics is going to have women's hockey. Classic was like, cool, let's put out a women of hockey set. And 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 it's awesome. And honestly, that was the one card I bought on Com C the other day. I was paging through it because I was going to write about this for the hockey news. And I'm like, wait, I don't have Angela James. I'm like, I don't have an Angela James card for the set. It's the only card I was missing. So I went on Com C and I grabbed one for a couple, for like two bucks. Because I'm just like, ah, that's fine. She's in the Hall of Fame. I'll pay $2 for her card. The end. You know, and I'll have it one day eventually. And then that's that will be complete. It's only taken me, you know, 27, 28 years. Yeah, I, I may be aware of that set, but I, I can't picture it in my head. So you'll have to put a link when you put the uh, put the show up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Women of Hockey. So uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this one up, put a bow on it and, and send it out to the masses? Not really. I'm just glad to be back, and hopefully we can uh, get some get some more shows with better regularity. Well, you've progressively sounded better as this podcast has gone on, so maybe the secret to you getting back to full health is doing more podcasts. The best medicine is the puck medicine. This is puck medicine, yeah. Yeah, because at the beginning of the show, you sounded like you were gargling. But at the end of the show, you sound crystal clear, my friend. You sound, you know, your voice is like butter. It's just so smooth and and, and smooth. That's probably because of this butter that I'm eating right now. Oh, okay. Well, enjoy. All right, then. Well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this show, please be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Puck Junk. Tim is at the Real DFG. And until next time, collect what you like and stay healthy, my friends. Yeah.
for more hockey goodness. Follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.